The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by the birthday boy, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Doing all right. Happy birthday, man. How do you remember, Hat? Who told you? I, I cannot reveal my sources at this time. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Yes. It is January 12th, which is my birthday. Don't. I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but I am old. I am a boomer. You're old enough to remember back when Edwin cost three. I remember that, yes. yes. So, yeah, we're going to have a, a, a celebratory podcast. And we're going to talk about the new meta, the balance changes. I'm excited for it. Uh, there is going to be a lot of things to discuss. Uh, the meta is quite interesting right now. There are a lot of new developments and going to take a, a while to go over them so i'll give you the preview before the next report which is not coming this thursday it's coming on sunday which is january 17th so our schedule is a little bit different and then, which is why the podcast is also coming out on a different day on tuesday rather than saturday not because of the birthday no that's not why but it's a nice little happy accident um yeah we're we're going to shift the schedule a bit. We don't know when the next podcast is coming out because we're hopeful that we'll get news of the mini set this upcoming week. Uh, so could be released next Tuesday or could be back to normal uh, next Saturday. Remains to be seen. Yeah, and there's a there's a chance that the set is going to be announced on the day that we're recording this on Monday. And by the time you listen to this podcast, we might already know what's happening. So it, the next podcast is going to depend on whether January 19th is going to be the mid-expansion set launch. Uh, if it does, then yeah, it's going to affect uh, when the next podcast is going to be. And we'll let you know once we know everything there is to know. Yes, but as of right now, we are still waiting. With that being said, we are no longer waiting for standard nerfs. So there are two changes. Bogspine Knuckles, the three attack. We talked about this a bunch of times on the show. And I feel confident yep. that we'll be able to uh, show the early data as to the changes had. It's pretty significant. But also, I did not expect to ever see Edwin Van Cleef nerfed in standard, but here we are. Edwin Van Cleef to four mana. Zach, did you see this coming? Because I sure didn't. No, because I thought that Edwin would be addressed in rotation. And turns out that Edwin will rotate unnerfed. It will be unnerfed and then rotated. There's some intricate uh, wording from uh, Alec Dawson talking about the fact that Edwin will rotate. And uh, we might, you know, delve on that uh, towards the end of the podcast, maybe and speculate what's going on there. But for now, Edwin, at least for a few months, will be for mana. And it was an interesting way to temporarily address... Uh, uh, Rogue's power level, uh, I think it's appropriate. It's just interesting that the the choice that they made. Uh, it seems that Foxy Fraud, the card that they should have nerfed maybe in a vacuum, considering all the possibilities that was available to them, might be too important 
for Rogue going forward in future sets. So they decided to leave it up because they thought it would be uh, too important of a card. And nerfing it at this point will maybe discourage uh, synergies that they're working on for Rogue in the future. So that was the reasoning, and it's very reasonable reasoning. And this is where we are. Uh, so box by Knuckles to three attack, exactly the nerf that you suggested, and we talked about um, when it comes to Dread Corsair. Um, and Evolve Shaman is now much slower. So let's talk about Shaman. What happened to Shaman? Well, I'll tell you what it is. Evolve Shaman is garbage now. Hooray. That's it. One, yeah, one attack. That's all that card needed to be nerfed for Evolve Shaman to be literally unplayable. When I say unplayable, it's like tier four territory. Look how dramatic that is. And actually, uh, seeing how dramatic it is really made me think about Dread Corsair. Because, in fact, the problem of Evolve Shaman was just Dread Corsair. Like, the fact that they could um, immediately put a minion on the board while equipping the Box Pine Knuckles and getting a, an Evolve target on the spot and threatening that Evolve target to continue to snowball was pretty much what put Evolve Shaman over the edge. And now that it's three attack and you cannot play a zero mana Dread Corsair on the turn that you equip Knuckles, you're forced to hold the Knuckles. It's just too slow. And Evolve Shaman is just dumpstered. Uh, the deck still gets played um, a reasonable amount, but I expect it to completely disappear, which has massive implications for the meta because, you know, there's a huge vacuum uh, left open now uh, due to this uh, nerf. Uh, and Red Corsair probably is not going to survive rotation either. I sus strongly suspect this card is not going to be in standard format in April. It's We'll, we'll definitely, as you alluded to, I think that there's some opportunity to talk about how a, outdated the classic set feels at this point, but I agree the Corsair is going away. I will say uh, Horde Pillager also definitely part of the issue just because four face damage six to eight times a game was too much. It was a lot. So, yeah, Knuckles to, Knuckles to three attack is actually even more significant than I anticipated, and I thought that it would be significant. Do you think that moving Knuckles to six mana would have actually been less impactful? It's possible uh, because, yeah, because when it comes to Pillager, it would have still kept that synergy going. Uh, I will say that it's more important uh, to have that zero mana Dread Corsair when you play the Knuckles. Uh, and losing that was a big blow. Yeah. Of course, the nerf to attack and the, uh, reducing the reach and the damage from hand that Evolve Shaman was capable of dishing out was also important. But it definitely seems like that Dread Corsair uh, interaction really kind of obliterated the deck from being from being like oppressively powerful to just being tier four. Yeah, like that's unbelievable. It dropped like so many tiers just from one attack, and then shows you the kind of things that Shaman is balanced around, like those little small things. And Shaman really feels like this class that's either unplayable or just broken. And that's kind of a problem, but that's the situation. So Evolve Shaman is dead. Now, is Shaman dead? Does that mean Shaman's gone? And, well, you don't have to worry about Sticky Fingers anymore. If you're playing any deck, and we're going to go through them, any class that utilized Sticky Finger before, it's time to drop it. The card 
cannot be justified at all in this meta. Uh, but there is a Shaman deck that is countered by Sticky Finger to some degree, maybe. But there's absolutely no reason to play Sticky Finger. That's doing really well right now. Doomhammer? That's Aggro Shaman. Doomhammer. With Doomhammer. Oh, we get to Doomhammer again. Hat. Shaman is far from dead. Aggro Doomhammer Shaman is a tier one deck. Oh, It looks yeah. extremely powerful. And it sets the tone for this podcast because the early meta has an aggro mirage, a smork mirage uh, showing. And I'm not sure it's a mirage. I'm not sure it's going to last. But there are a lot of aggressive decks right now that look really powerful and are doing really well. Now, it's early days, right? It's the early days, and usually, normally, aggressive decks will look better uh, uh, at the beginning of a meta uh, that's forming, and they could taper off eventually, but Aggro Shaman looks extremely promising. Uh, exactly the build that we have the report with, in the report with the Dunk Tanks, the Note Takers, uh, Doomhammer, Rockbiter. It's, it's kind of a bursty aggressive deck. It's kind of more like Soul Demon Hunter in terms of the damage that it just dishes out from hand with lava burst and such so very very powerful looks tier one territory absolutely and needs to see more play right now its play rate is still like slightly above one percent at legend needs to see more play because that deck is legit yeah and it's very early on people are going to take a while to adjust i also wouldn't be surprised if we see different experimentations with evolve shaman and we'll probably get someone that plays a 10 game sample size and high legend and hits some high rolls off of mogu and talks about how the deck is still really good uh but i'm excited to play doomhammer again and we talked about this a little bit in the past that the sticky finger even if you get sticky finger does doomhammer shaman you just play drops on turns one through four and you have a bunch of burn spells it doesn't really matter as much but yeah, it's definitely not worth playing the 5-mana 4-4 four, four anymore. It's That's definitely not the yeah. way to go. Sticky Finger is going to be gone. I I think that in the next report, we're not going to have a single deck with Sticky Finger. I'm, I'm pretty sure based on the current play rates of things like Evolve Shaman and Bomb Warrior, um, that it, it's just not justified. And those are the main matchups where you want to run Sticky Finger in. Uh, so that's uh, that's that's pretty much it. Other other shaman decks, I'm not really seeing enough to to comment on, but I will say, evolve shaman looks dead in the water, and aggro shaman looks tier one. So the class is not going anywhere. It's still viable, and if you want to enjoy shaman, you can enjoy it with uh, the aggro doomhammer deck. Looks very powerful. Um, it's just time for evolve shaman. Hallelujah, hat! That deck is gone. I'm going to. Uh, my personal feelings are very clear. I'm really glad that deck is gone because there there have been uh, maybe the two worst metas in the last two years, perhaps, uh, where Doom in the Tomb, Savers of Old Doom, Evolve Shaman, and Evolve Shaman now both uh, have been awful, awful experiences. Uh, for me personally and many players, I feel like Evolve Shaman is just an archetype that in, when it's too powerful... It just busted as hell and just limits creativity and just chokes out the meta. And I, I just, I'm happy to see it being gone. And I'm hoping that it never comes back. I just don't like this mechanic. I'm not a fan of this mechanic. I don't think it's, I don't think it creates, uh, encourages player agency or any of these things. It just makes for an uninteresting and meta. 
which is what yeah, we and saw. And Alex said on Twitter that they've gotten feedback about the Evolve mechanic, and they are definitely going to be a lot more careful about how they implement it in the future with mana reduction effects. I think the intention with Mogu was clear and also just didn't really work out the way they wanted to. It creates really swingy early game board states. So Alex has been very clear about uh, doing things a little differently next time. I doubt that evolving is going away, period, but doing so in a way that so clearly defies the mana curve is just not all that healthy. It needs to be the way that it was when Doppelgangster was around. I think that Desert Hair is too early of an enabler. If you want strong evolve plays, they need to happen later in the game. Uh, they need to happen uh, when control decks can actually use their mana to remove things. When things happen too early, that's when you create the problem. When a Mogu Flesh Reaper comes down on the board on turn 4 and turns into a 10-drop, that's a problem. But, you know, I remember Token Shaman back in, say, in Ungoro had the Doppelgangster Evolve, and it didn't feel as oppressive, even though Evolve is a really powerful card. Uh, it's just that the fact that you, can, you did that on turn 6 made a big difference. Like, you just gave more room because there's no way to beat Desert Hair Revolve even on turn four. It's just so hard to beat that. And Box by Knuckles is just this repeated, endless Evolve effect, right? You don't, like, with Doppelgangster Evolve and Ungoro, you had it that, that one play and that was it, right? But when you have the Box by Knuckles and the Horde Pillager, it's just they evolve literally every turn. It's just... It becomes from one power play into the entire strategy of the game. Like, the entire game revolves around constantly, constantly evolving. And that makes the experience, like, this deck is all about evolving and nothing else. And it feels like very feast or famine. Like, because the Token Shaman deck from Angora was pretty much, it was a token deck yeah. that happened to play Gangster Involved. That was one power play, one mid to late game power play that it had, but it wasn't the whole deck. And here you have this deck that's all about evolving. It has nothing, it, it bar barely plays early game drops. It, it d doesn't do anything other than setting up for the Knuckles. So the deck just feels like this, this only evolve. It only does one thing repeatedly. And that kind of, when that thing is really powerful too, then it's, it's obnoxious. It's like, it's just unbearable to play against consistently when it's like 20% of the meta or even more. So, yeah. I, I think maybe in moderation that mechanic can be okay, but it cannot be the whole game plan, right? I think they may have also learned this lesson about Cyclomage, right? When Cyclomage generates a bunch of things, right? You generate a bunch of things, then, okay, you, you generate a few things. You play a Cobalt skill, spell, can you... you you get to play with a, a bunch of one minute spells, but when you, you know, like your entire hand is generated, right? You know, like you're playing against a major opponent, and eight of his cards are of the nine that he has in his hand are randomly generated. That becomes a little bit too much. So I think this might be a similar thing when too much of this one thing becomes kind of un unbearable. Gets old fast. Speaking of which, so Edwin Van Cleef. Yeah, so, you know, Evolve Shaman was a nerf that was... It's kind of funny, right? One attack in box by Knuckles just killed the deck. And one mana to Edwin did not kill Miracle Rogue. Miracle Rogue uh, still looks good. I'm not going to have 
final confirmation on whether Edwin Van Cleef should still be in the deck, but it probably should be in the deck still, uh, at least in Miracle Rogue. But the deck itself as a deck performs still very well. It dropped a lot in its popularity, right? Like Miracle Rogue was close to like 20% of the meta. Now it's like Sid sets 7, 8% at Legend. Uh, even at, at, like at high diamond sits at like five six percent like the nerfs definitely cause players to drop the deck which is you know it's a common phenomenon you know you nerf a deck immediately players try other things but miracle rogue is fine it's not this clear tier one best deck far better than anything else no it's far from that it definitely dropped in power edwin was its best card uh certainly of the world kick build and now Rogue looks good. Looks like a very good deck amongst a few other very good decks. I can definitely see Miracle Rogue um, being a tier one deck still in, in this meta. Uh, it's definitely possible based on you know meta trends that I'm kind of trying to simulate and predict. And most of these simulations result in Miracle Rogue being very good still. So its matchup spread is just good overall still after the balance changes it's very hard to counter miracle rogue to beat that deck consistently even with a four mana edwin so i expect that deck that specific build that we had in the report you can keep playing it and it's still gonna do very good work in this meta still one of the best decks in the game it's just not as might not be as oppressive as it was before which I think was the point, right, of the change. Yeah, well, it's this reminds me of the first Kael'thas, or the second Kael'thas nerf, the one in Skolomance, where Guardian Druid, we still want Guardian Druid to be a deck, we just don't want 30 mana on turn 6. And yeah, Edwin was all about, the, the screenshots of seeing him on turn 1 are still going around. If you go coin uh, Foxy, Shadow Step Foxy, Edwin, it's still the same. But it's so much more awkward to, like, Foxy into a into a miscreant, into coin, lackey, lackey, Edwin, something like that. It's just, on average, going to be a more awkward card. And I'm speaking as someone that's played a lot of rogue games over the years. Uh, it's it's about time. It's about time that he got a little nudge. And the thing is, it's not just about it's not just about the fact that you're gonna see less of these early blowouts um, now that it's four mana. It's also less. There's less of an incentive to just keep it in your opening hand. Yeah. Before the patch, you know, I played a bunch of Rogue. I play a lot of Rogue generally. And Edwin was a card that you just blind kept in this deck, even without the coin. No matter what, you just keep Edwin because you're going to abuse it. You knew that you were going to abuse it. And now when it's four mana, if you go first, it's really a bigger risk. Now, when you start keeping Edwin less and less, it means you're going to see less of these early blowouts so you see less of them because the card costs four mana now but you also see less of them because people are not as enthusiastic are not as insistent on keeping it in the opening hand every time because sometimes that's going to punish you uh to keep that card in your opening hand it's still going to be strong in the mid game it's still going to be strong in the late game i'm fine with that i don't mind a four mana eight eight on turn eight I don't mind a 4-mana 8-8 on turn 7. That's less of a problem. It becomes a problem when it was an 8-8 or a 10-10 on turn 3 and turn 4. So we kind of 
reduce the chances of that happening. It's still going to happen, and people are going to meme about it and post screenshots because millions of games are played. Some of these games will, will still have these blowouts. The question is, how often do these blowouts happen? Far less often. And that was the point. So I think in that respect, the nerf did its job. Uh, you're just going to see less of that nonsense early on. The card's still going to be uh, powerful late, uh, which I think was the point. Yeah, and you've talked already about how the meta seems to be trending on the aggressive side. I still want to be the person with prize plunder in the deck in an aggro meta, just because that card is so good at controlling the board. And I'm not sure if I'd rather build Rogue now to go the more combo-heavy direction or to go more of the aggressive route, which really, you can kind of... Rogue is a constellation that slowly shifts between more value-heavy and more aggressive. Uh, but the build that we were championing on the website this past week with the Hook Scimitar seems to have done pretty well early on. It's just a question of, well, how much warrior are we seeing and how aggressive do we need to be if we're not trying to get under Shaman as much? Yeah, but there are changes. There are drastic changes in Acro Rogue now. You're not seeing this build uh, after the patch much of it at all. Um, it seems to have fallen off and... The aggro has come back big time after the balance changes. You're seeing a lot of the, not the you know the will the non will kick build, you know the will kick build without the will kick and just more aggressive cards like wriggling whore. No, you're seeing the stealth hyper aggressive rogue with Boren Scorpid and Greyheart Sage and Spy Mistress and Ash Dunk Slayer. We're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of that deck. That deck has come back. Uh, in a big way after the patch. And it looks quite strong. It looks pretty strong. I'm not sure it's going to be as strong as Miracle Rogue when it's all said and done, when the dust settles, but it looks to be performing at a pretty high level right now. Uh, Agro Rogue with like the hyper-aggressive build with, you know, Boron Scorpid, things like that. So I've seen quite a little bit, uh, quite a bit of it on ladder, and it's it's rivaling Miracle Rogue in popularity, that build. So it's definitely out there, and it's doing quite well. I'm not sure where it's going to eventually land, but it, it, right now it's performing at a pretty high level, like a borderline tier 1, tier 2 deck, something like that. Um... I think that eventually it's going to prove to be worse than Miracle Rogue because of uh, certain meta trends that I'm already seeing, but it's it's still going to be good and viable and competitive and still going to be fine. I think the main problem of that specific archetype is are going to be the Hunter matchups, uh, mm. where it, it really suffers, and it might have an issue also if Warrior comes back more. So I think that generally Miracle Rogue is still going to be the best uh, most well-rounded rogue deck, and aggro rogue is still going to be around. It's it's going to be important. Maybe that build is going to be important if bomb warrior becomes a problem, right? So it kind of depends. I think rogue's position. Those two decks are going to depend on how much skipper armorsmith are we going to see, and how much wrench caliber we're going to see. If we're going to see more wrench caliber, then the hyper aggressive aggro deck is going to have more of an advantage, right? But if we're going to see a lot of Skipper Armorsmith still with Control and Enrage Warrior, then I would lean towards Miracle. But both of these decks look good right now. Other Rogue decks, not so much. Not seeing much of them. Yeah, it's we are, we are not in the meta for Galakrond Rogue. And uh, when Galakrond rotates a couple months, I won't miss it. It's okay. 
All right. So we're going now in after Shaman. Rogue was the most popular. We're going in popularity order. And the next most popular class is Zoo. I mean, Warlock. The next most popular class is Warlock. Yeah, and, and Warlock is not just about Zoo, right? We, we have mainly uh, Galakrond Warlock and Zoo Warlock. Now, I will say, on the first day of this patch, I actually looked at Galakrond Warlock and I thought, well, this deck could be tier one. Like, this deck looks really, really powerful. And then things change. What changed? The Smork meta. Like, you know, you started seeing Face Hunters and the hyper-aggressive Agra Rogues. And you're starting to see Zoo now. And Galakron Warlock is a deck that really doesn't enjoy facing a lot of pure aggression, right? If you play out things a little bit slowly, if you're in a kind of an aggressive deck, you're not a hyper-aggressive one. You're not a deck that just goes face immediately in unrelenting uh, pursuit of your like the opponent's life total. Then Galakron Warlock can manage, but not against these decks. Face Hunter, an aggro rogue with the stealth hyper-aggressive build that runs Sinister Strikes, that's not a good matchup. That's not what you want to see. Well, yeah. The Galakron Warlock question is... How good of a card is Plague of Flames in this matchup? If Plague of Flames does not save you, then it is not a good matchup against any kind of aggressive deck. Yeah, and when you play Cobalt Sand Troopers, and then, <sighs> you know, that Plague of Flames is not going to matter that much. So Galakrond War Warlock, first day of the patch, looked really powerful, and then after that, things really fell off. However, I will say that players on ladder are like, really lazy when it comes to net decking like they're just so like it's a like if if there's a patch they're gonna play the same build no matter what even though the change is like obvious which uh, i i'm getting to the sticky finger point there are people still playing double sticky finger right now and i'm gonna tell these people let it go the way to build galakon warlock right now in order to stand a better chance against this hyper aggression is to go double sacrificial pact you gotta have that healing and double mortal coil just make a lean build that's fast to cycle more likely to draw your soul fragments and also gives you a burst of healing through the sacrificial pact it's absolutely mandatory in this meta and i'm seeing i'm not seeing anybody doing that so we're probably going to feature it in the next report but the people listening to the podcast right now, if you're struggling against the aggro decks, this is, these adjustments are not going to make you suddenly favored against them, but they're going to help you a lot. And Sticky Finger is absolutely a waste of time right now. So just forget about that card. Run the pack, run the Mortal Coils. These cards help you in the, you know, you can kill a Spy Mistress and cycle. You can kill a, a Cobalt Sand Trooper and cycle. Maybe you draw a Soul Fragment off of that. That can help. These cards are useful. Sticky Finger is not useful against these hyper-aggressive decks. Weapons are not that prevalent right now. Bomb Warrior is a tough matchup without Sticky Finger, but you're not seeing much of it um, to the point where that card is justified. So adjust your build according to what's happening in the meta, and you'll do better. And I think that Galakrond Warlock has a chance if it makes these adjustments, because right now it hasn't been making these adjustments, which puts it at a pretty difficult spot. Um, so once it makes these adjustments, I feel like it's going to look better. Uh, it's already okay, but it's kind of, you know, 
it's like tier three territory. It looks like it sank into this tier three territory, and these adjustments can maybe lift it to like tier two territory, maybe. So uh, that's what I would do. Now, the other warlock deck is Zoo, and Zoo has really kind of blown up uh, after the patch. Looks a lot more promising, and uh, it looks like one of the best decks in the game is a warlock. And a lot of it has to do with the reduction in rogue. You see a lot, you know, you see less rogues. We, we've talked about how the rogue kick build, the combo build of Miracle Rogue just destroys Zoo. And it still does. It's still a very difficult matchup. But now that you see less of Miracle Rogue, Zoo has a far better chance. You generally see less rogues. That's the key for Zoo's success. Less rogues, Zoo is better. Zoo is really good against um, things like Galakorn Warlock. It's it's a good matchup. It does well against like generally slower decks that don't really have like that efficient. Like Plague of Flames is not particularly good against Zoo right now. So Zoo is doing really well. I will say that I'm not sure it's going to stay as good as it looks right now because I do expect a rise in Rogue because Rogue is a successful is going to be a successful class in this meta. And if we see Miracle Rogue come back and rise in popularity again, then Zoo is going to drop a little bit. But Zoo is so good right now, possibly the best deck in the game territory, that even if it gets curbed some, somewhat by Rogue's uh, return, it's still going to be one of the better decks. So Zoo right now is very strong. It's one of the best decks on ladder right now. Again, kind of contributing to this... Um, Smork Resurgence. And if you're playing that deck, you're probably going to do very well with it. And that's true at all levels of play. I'm not even seeing it fall off at higher levels. It's not really a deck. Uh, it's not like Pure Paladin, where it kind of like always tapers off a little bit. Uh, Zoo looks very good throughout ladder. So, very strong deck. Again, all dependent on what's happening with Rogue. I expect it to get worse as time goes on, but not to the point where it's still not one of the better decks in the format. And it's it's definitely still early days, but you know, aggression rising up after a patch is is a reasonable thing. But also, you can you can reasonably play aggro and not just hope to keep shaman off of knuckles. Now it seems like there's a much more open meta where we're able to explore these things. I don't know. It just feels like the healing has begun. Takes take the five oh, mana four four out of your deck. Try playing this Flame Imp. It'll be okay. Yeah, and by the way, when it comes to the current meta, there's absolutely no doubt whatsoever Zoo in the current meta should absolutely play Minari Mosher. That card in the current meta in against aggressive mirrors is absolutely essential. The card is insane in those matchups. So it's far better than Rascal. Rascal in aggressive mirrors, not so good. So, uh, take the list that we have in the report on ladder, and you're going to do well. This might be the best 30 cards you can play today. About tomorrow, the day after that, the day after that, I'm not sure. But looks very good right now. Yes. And a class that could potentially take advantage of that fact, along with an aggressive shift in the meta. Well, let's talk about Warrior a bit. The most popular Warrior deck I've seen in the last day uh, from our statistics is Enrage Warrior. It kind of depends where you are on ladder. If you're at Legend, you're going to see more Enrage Warrior. If you're outside of Legend, you're going to see other things. Um, 
Warrior is pretty fractured right now. There are a lot of different decks in play. I'm seeing Bomb, seeing Control, seeing Enrage, seeing Big Warrior. And the success, even like Big Warrior even popped up a bit more in play. And honestly, it looks okay. It looks quite okay uh, right now. All Warrior decks look good. Uh, I think that both Control and Enrage Warrior look very powerful in the current meta because the meta is so aggressive. Skipper Armasmith is just always a good answer to aggressive decks since the moment it was uh, released until the moment it rotates. Uh, it's going to give you an advantage in these matchups. Uh, so both Enrage Warrior and Control Warrior, I think, are deck that are currently underplayed. And they will likely rise in popularity as people under start to... Okay, I'm seeing face hunters and stealth hyper-aggressive rogues. So I'm, I'm going to play my Skipper Armismuth and I'm going to win a lot of games that way. Um, that's probably a good answer to these decks. And uh, I expect these decks to rise in popularity. The question is, what happens to Bomb Warrior? And Bomb Warrior, you know, we've talked about it in previous podcasts. It's a deck that I was concerned with uh, before the balance changes. I was concerned in the event that we would nerf uh, Shaman. And its matchup spread looked insane. So what's going on with Bomb Warrior right now? Bomb Warrior, I think, if you look at its matchup spread, it's a it's kind of a ticking time bomb. It's dangerous. Is that it's a, a deck that, that, that a pun? Yeah, maybe by accident. Zach, I give it a I give it a five damage out of five damage. Yeah. So it's right now. Bomb Warrior looks good already in this aggressive meta. And some of these aggressive decks, things like Face Hunter, are kind of keeping it in check. Yes, it's benefiting from the fact that Galakorn Warlock is very popular and Bomb Warrior is, is pretty good into Galakorn Warlock. But even if it, like, Galakorn Warlock drops in play, right? You have Evolve Shaman that's probably going to disappear. That matchup is still difficult for the Bomb Warrior, even with the uh, Box Pine Knuckles, but that matchup is gone. So what actually counters Bomb Warrior? Not much. I'm mostly looking at things like Face Hunter and Libram Paladin and maybe the hyper-aggressive build of Rogue with the, with the stealth package. But if Control and Enrage Warrior rise in popularity and they kind of curb the power level of the aggressive decks, then that could bring about the return of Bomb Warrior to a more prevalent uh, spot in the meta and Bomb Warrior could become very, very powerful. So the question is, is Bomb Warrior going to be a, a, a tier 2-ish, tier 1-ish deck that kind of hovers between those areas of win rates? Or is it going to be a clear tier 1, one of the best decks in the game kind of territory? Um, the answer may not actually come because we might not have time for this meta to develop, for this format to develop to reach this point if the mid-expansion set is imminent, right? They release new cards, people try new things, Gentlemen's agreement. Everybody's shaking hands. Let's not play Bomb Warrior right now. So even though Bomb Warrior's potential is definitely there is meta breaking potential depending on certain trends that I'm seeing uh, in the meta and certain direction definitely can lead to Bomb Warrior becoming an oppressive force in the meta. We might not get there because of all the other uh, outside occasions like. We've, we've got new cards coming in. This meta is, too, is early. It might not have time to settle down. Players may not have time to realize that Bomb Warrior is that good. You know, by the time the aggressive decks maybe decline due to the rise of an and Control Warrior, we're going to have a new set. So if that happens, Bomb Warrior may not get the chance to show really show itself. 
it's noticeable. Its presence on land is noticeable. It's doing quite good, especially if you don't run into, like, if you're at higher levels, you, you don't run into a lot of face hunters. So that beco it becomes that much more powerful, and uh, as well as Paladins. These are the, the main matchups that Bomware needs to concern itself with. Uh, if you know, if Rogue shifts back into Miracle, and we're seeing less aggro, which means Galakorn Warlock is going to recover, that kind of scenario leads to Bomware being one of the best decks, if not the best. We may not have time to, to figure that out. So Bomware looking very good. Control and White Warrior are probably going to be the ones that rise first. Um, and yeah, so we're basically, we're praying that people don't notice that Bomb Warrior might be dangerous. I'm, I'm hoping that everyone just kind of chill. Just like, we're not going to bother with Bomb Warrior. We're going to do something else. But it remains to be seen. We'll see. Guys, everybody shakes hand. Gentlemen's agreement. We're not playing this deck. We're not playing this deck. We're going to wait till the mint expansion is set. Then we're going to try out the new cards. We're going to try new decks that are not Bomb Warrior. By the time we're bored with it, maybe two weeks before rotation, people might realize that Bomb Warrior is really powerful. That's the dream scenario for me uh, right now because uh, it wasn't nerfed. So, yeah. The fact that... I I'm concerned because the fact that the only thing that checks... Uh, that really counters Bomb Warrior is maybe uh, a Face Hunter deck that's probably not going to be super prevalent at Top Legend, even if it ends up being good, right? Because players there are not very accepting of that deck, or they're not willing to play that deck very much. That gives me the notion, the indication that this deck might be really, really powerful at high levels of play within like a week. But again, we might not have that week, so... That's it. Yeah, I I think it was Wirer who was asking on Twitter if Alec was worried about uh, the rise of Bomb Warrior. Uh, I believe that the that Alec is saying they don't think that it needs proactive changes at the moment. The problem is that the nerf to Shaman actually nuked the deck, so it nuked a big counter to Bomb Warrior, and Miracle Rogue is, I will say. The best counter to Miracle Rogue right now is Bomb Warrior. That's the one deck that consistently frustrates Miracle Rogue. So what I'm seeing, a return of Miracle Rogue, the meta is slightly slowing down because Miracle Rogue is really good against things like Zoo, really good at early game board control, can bring about a slower meta in which Bomb Warrior is really good at, right? Bomb Warrior is like stomps, things like Priest, anything that gives it time. Anything that doesn't just pressure its life total instantly. And Bomb Warrior's, you know, attrition game plan really, you know, trans works out very well against those strategies. So, uh, but, you know, it's probably not going to, we're not going to have enough time. If we, if we didn't have a mid-expansion set, I would be far more concerned. But just the fact that there's these new cards probably coming in, they're going to distract the player base as everyone is shaking hands and says, okay, we're not playing Bomb Warrior, then I'm less concerned. But the deck is definitely has issues if you look at its matchup spread. It's potentially dangerous. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly just excited that we get to play in Rage Warrior again because we only have two more months with Risky Skipper in the format. And, uh, 
You know what? It hasn't been long I'm enough I'm ready yet. for Risky Skipper to be gone, personally. I'm sick of these cards. Also, uh, like, basically, there's an alliance. There's an internal alliance between Enrage and Control to Bomb, where basically Enrage and Control, where you're about to clean up all these aggro ducks and then allow Bomb Warrior to enter the field. So there's kind of this... Uh, a, a, a positive feedback look of warrior rising in play because some of its decks enable another deck uh, and help it find a more favorable field. So, yeah, warrior is still going to be very powerful, probably the most diverse and flexible class in the format right now. And that's a story we've heard before with warrior. That's not a new thing, but uh, the nerfs have not changed it because warrior didn't get nerfed. So, you know, is what it is. Uh, but speaking of a class that, well, did get nerfed earlier this expansion, but might be might be coming back a little bit. Demon Hunter. Illidan is back and with a vengeance. He's back. I'm not sure how the extent of vengeance uh, he's back from too, but... Well, how effective his vengeance is, I don't know. But he has I think I think right now, Demon Hunter... After the after this these balance changes, might be the most fair demon hunter decks we've ever seen since the inception of demon hunter, in terms of being good, but not feeling like for far too powerful, just choking out things. Uh, both aggro and soul demon hunter look good right now. Aggro demon hunter obviously benefiting because aggression uh, is benefiting since miracle rogue is not that popular. We know about that matchup. Um, uh, that's a problematic matchup. And Soul Demon Hunter looks good because Soul Demon Hunter is pretty good against burn decks. When you're 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 trying to target it with like things that strategies that hit it in the face really hard, you're gonna find out that Aldraki Warblades and and attack buffs are a pretty big swing in those matchups, and it's always done well against things like Face Hunter, right? So. Soul Demon Hunter still has these advantages. Agro Demon Hunter still a pretty good aggressive deck. Both of these decks sit around tier two territory. I expect them to to remain around the, those marks, uh, being good but not the best. Uh, and 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 that's what I mean. Probably the most fair Demon Hunter has has been since its inception. Lifesteal Demon Hunter not very impressive. Not looking um, very good even at higher levels of play. I'm I'm not seeing that deck perform particularly well uh it just has too many matchups that are just problematic is the is the play rate inflated on lifesteal demon hunter i mean i guess it's not really that high i would say it's inflated considering that lifesteal demon hunter at legend right now is the most popular demon hunter deck then it's definitely inflated considering it's significantly worse than both aggro and soul like there's no way that should be a thing like there's no way that lifesteal demon hunter sees more play like personally i've been playing ladder over the past few days, I've seen a lot of Lifesteal Demon Hunters far too much, and I've beaten them every time. I was playing a specific deck that also counters it, but it just feels like there's too many matchups where Lifesteal just crumbles. So I really don't think that even that 3.5 play rate at Legend is justified considering, and it's higher than at Top Legend even, is justified considering the performance of the deck. It's definitely overplayed. Um, Soul Demon Hunter is far better positioned in the current meta than lifesteal. Makes sense to me. Well, I'm curious to see what a somewhat fair Illidan looks like. 
because uh, there have been some ups and downs with that class over, over for a while, but we've never really seen a truly fair and balanced implementation. I think Demon Hunter has never been bad, right? It was no. it's, it looked bad for one week after the patch, and then it kind of recovered already and looked good just before the balance changes, and now it looks good again. Good, but maybe you know, again the most fair it's been. Speaking of a class that might be coming back as well, Druid. Druid? Is this a thing? Uh, okay. So, so here's the thing about Druid. Druid always gets like this. This that gets hyped. I've seen a lot of Malagos Druids. People saying Malagos Druid is now the nuts or whatever. And you know, I've played a, a I've played quite a bit of Malagos Druid um, since the patch. Honestly, this deck the deck is a lot of fun. Is it good? No. I mean, it's not terrible. I would say that Druid improved, but not to the extent where it's now like a real thing. Malagos Druid is really vulnerable to a lot of the aggression out there. It just doesn't like something like Zoo. Like it's a 75-25 matchup for the Zoo. Like if Zoo is successful and Zoo, Zoo is strong, like Malagos Druid is not going to be good. <laughs> like you just get destroyed in that matchup. Or things like even Miracle Rogue, running Questing Adventure, Aggro Rogue. There are a lot of Aggro Rogues right now. These matchups are not good. So you have a bunch of matchups that are just range between unplayable oppressive to pretty bad. Then you're not going to do very well, especially when these are some of the best decks in the format right now. So Malagos Druid, I'm seeing a lot of hype. At best, it's a tier 3 deck. I think it's around the tier 3 mark. Clown Druid also got a little bit better. But still, not to the extent where I would put it, you know, in a great position. Uh, there's just too much aggression. Yes, Evolve Shaman is going to be gone, and that's generally a good thing for Druid. But what Druid really needs is all these aggro decks to kind of slow down. What Druid wants to see happen is Enrage Warrior and Controller coming in, suppressing the aggression. That will be great for Druid. So, again, if the meta had two months to develop... I would be more optimistic about Druid because I would say, oh, given like, give it a couple weeks, I can see Druid becoming better, right? But since this meta is probably going to end um, before it fully settles down, then I don't see much in Druid to make a big impact in this meta. But of course, there's a mid expansion, there's the mid expansion set. Uh, there's there are going to be new cards, hopefully good Druid cards, and we're going to see that class return. But right now. Druid strikes me as the this situationally good tier three class that's kind of suppressed by the aggression and needs time for that aggression to be countered in order to do something. And it's probably not going to have that time. All right, I have to ask. What about Highlander Druid? Highlander Druid is the best Druid if you want to lose a lot of games. It's the best Druid. Okay. So play it if you want to. If you want to, if you're trying to find the worst Druid deck to play, you play Highlander Druid. A Clown Druid is probably with Guardian Animals is the worst Druid deck if you want to win games. And Malagos Druid is kind of middling. It's like you equally want to win and lose games, so you play Malagos Druid. But yeah, Highlander Druid is trash. I don't understand why people still play that deck. It's because Blastoise posted a screenshot in the deck list with a one next to his name. But that was like a, over a month ago. No, he when just was it? he was, did it again. Like, he did it again last week. He did it again. He did it again. Really? Yeah. Oh man, Blastoise, you are a masturbator. 
Yikes. Yeah. Yes. A master of... Uh, I'm not even going to finish the sentence. All right. So, next class, Paladin. Why is Paladin all the way down here in popularity? Well, I think... Well, at Legend, it's not super popular. The, we're ordering it based on the popularity of Legend. Outside of Legend, Paladin has always been uh, more popular, and it's 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 quite common. If you're climbing to Legend right now, you're going to see a lot of Paladins. You're going to see a lot of pure Paladins. Paladin looks good. It's Again, looks like one of the more fair classes in the format. Uh, pure Paladin does pretty well right now because there's a lot of aggression, and it really likes running into decks, like hyper-aggressive decks that just target life totals. Things like Face Hunter and Aggro Rogue, Pure Paladin just farms. Because, look of them hope, you've got really strong board control tools. You're not playing like Zoo is a more difficult matchup because they actually swarm the board with stats. But if you're playing a lot of things with like one health, like you're playing a lot of minions that are just vulnerable to being value traded, then Paladin does a lot better. Takes over the board, heals back with uh, Liberum of Hope, blocks it, uh, the the path to its face with a lot of taunts. Really does well into like the hyper aggressive uh, stealth rogue deck. You know, Pure Paladin normally doesn't do well against rogue, but against that build, it does very well. Against Face Hunter, does very well. So it does okay into other matchup that already puts it at a reasonable spot. It's always going to fall off a little bit of high levels of play because it has a limited ceiling when it comes to decision-making player agency. Not that great. Libum Paladin looks pretty good as well. Libum Paladin is a deck that I'm really hoping is successful because it's really good against Bomb Warrior. And if there's ever a deck that's going to keep Bomb Warrior checked, it's going to be that deck. Again, you don't need Sticky Finger anymore. Drop the sticky finger. Maybe we run Amber Watchers again. There's a lot of burn, right? The meta is very burn centric. Uh, a, a five mana four six that heals for it. It was really nice. Maybe we bring back Red Scale Dragon Tamer build um, to the deck. I'm pretty like sticky finger should not be in the deck. People are still playing that card. That triggers me. Stop doing that. Um, try and adjust to the new meta where people are trying to smark you down. So that's not Sticky Finger. That's probably going to be Amber Watcher. Amber Watcher. All things. Yeah. I mean, when you're playing against Face Hunter and Aggro Rogue, you want Amber Watcher. It's a really good card in these matchups. And even against Zoo, like it just gives you recovery and the ability to breathe. So, And also, it's nice to have a 2-3 for 2 mana to fight for the board early and not give up card advantage. You gain card advantage off of it. So it's nice. You trade one for one, get a healing card back. Very effective in these matchups. And it doesn't hurt your other matchups too. It's not like it hurts your slower matchups because you still have a cycle package. Your late game win condition is unchanged. Like it wants to drop Sticky Finger. It only ran Sticky Finger because of Evolve Shaman. Like that card was a tax on its other matchups. So now it's just free to do other things. The things that it always wanted to do. So just do them. And Paladin might end up being in a pretty good spot here at the end of at least this meta. Oh, and I forgot one more thing. So there's another deck. There's actually another Paladin deck. Wait, what? So here's... I, I, almost, I almost forgot. Yeah. So, you know, people are trying these new... Sometimes you see, like, these Paladin decks, like, dual Paladin. People are trying, like, Ram Paladin. 
You know, Ram Paladin, you, they, they play in those Dormu. It's Funky and, Monkey's uh, deck again. Yeah, you play Red Scale Dragon Tamer, and the only dragon in the deck is Nazdormu, and then you play all, like, na- 8, 9, and 10 drops. I played a little bit of it yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I went turn 2, yeah, so, uh, so I, that- I played a turn 3 Dragon Tamer, and then turn 4 Nazdormu, and then, like, Batterhead Blessing of Wisdom. Ooh, I drew some cards. <laughs> Oh man, I baited you so hard. That deck is not good. I know. <laughs> That's not the deck I'm talking about. That's not the actual promising deck I'm talking about. But yeah, people are trying all sorts of things. You know, I'm seeing dual paladin as well. But you know what deck I'm seeing that actually performs really well? And you know, it's a low sample estimate. It's like early days, really low sample estimate. I don't want to go into declaration, but this is what the podcast is for, right? For me to make premature declarations. Highlander Paladin hat. Oh no. Looks really good. Oh no, you're just making Bomb Warrior better by saying that. That's all you're doing. Highlander Paladin. No, the thing is, Highlander Paladin, based on, you know, it's it's not very popular. If we had a report right now, we wouldn't be in the power rankings. Because it's like, it's like less than 1% of the meta. But that low sample is telling me tier 1 deck. It's better than Pure Paladin, Liberum Paladin right now. Based on the low low sample estimates, right? Um, it's a res- There's a caveat here. It's not a sure thing, but it looks really powerful based on these the, these low samples. So I'm not sure it's going to have time to actually propagate, but I will say that this deck is actually really promising. For the first time since Savers of Doom, I'm actually seeing a Highlander Paladin deck that looks strong. So we'll look into that and, and talk to talk about it in the report but paladin may actually have three decks now not two so yeah that's the scoop wow hat you're speechless it's say something it's sir finley's time to shine i guess i was i was so worried when i saw sir finley of the sandstone like this is another keliseth and it's going to completely dictate games based on hero powers and early game and end up being not good enough and you know what i was the one who said that finley was overrated i am so happy with myself that i said that I was saying, really, guys? I, I think people overrated Finley because of because Baku was a thing. Well, it's like it's upgraded hero powers and early game and Keliseth, right? It's it's all the bad. It's signs. not Keliseth though, because it, it's not Keliseth because it doesn't affect your other minions. Secondly, it's not a start of game effect. It's not consistent. It's like you don't get consistently those hero powers. The third thing is those hero powers. Most of these hero powers are not even tempo positive hero powers. So what are you doing? You don't have you're not an odd pal in the deck. You don't have synergies. You don't have silver hand recruit synergies to abuse it. And you cannot pile on silver hand recruit synergies because you can't count on drawing that card. That card was overrated. It's it's good. It's not a bad card. It's not like Finley's a bad card, but it just was overrated. I saw like so many fours in card reviews. I was like, what? So yeah. But I don't think it's a fault necessarily Finley's fault that Highlander Paladin was just never good. I think the card pool of Paladin specifically just wasn't good enough. And now we're like nearing end of rotation. That's when the card pool is at its highest. And Paladin actually got to the critical mass when it can play 30 reasonably good cards. Also, it helps when you have uh, Nezoth, God of the Deep. That card in Highlander Paladin is actually a thing. And it can work because you can play like Carousel Griffin as a one-off. It's nice. And the Hammer of Nero. It's nice. And you can play Siamat, which is always good in Highlander decks. 
So you we've reached this critical mass of I can play 30 reasonably good Paladin cards and make up for it. And take advantage of Zephyrus and Ragnar Queen Alexstrasza and, and such. Yep. I Island the Paladin, yeah, guys. I don't even know what to say. Wow. Well, um, I'm glad that this meta has surprises for us. Man. I'll get the deck yep. list from you after the show because I want to try this out. You can find it on the Vicious Syndicate Discord. If people ask for it, I will post it on the Discord. Perfect. Uh, so let's talk about Hunter a little bit. Because you've mentioned Face Hunter a few times. Uh, are we sticking with Toxic Reinforcement? Are we going back to the board base build with the infestations and so on? No, we going full smork. This meta is all about burn. The build that we have in the report with Knife Vendor looks really good. Face Hunter looks very good right now. Obviously, I expect it to drop off a little bit. Um, another card that I'm seeing starting to see play in Face Hunter is Ringling's Rifle. In the build that we have in the report, people are just adding Ringling's Rifle as well. And that card also looks very powerful in Face Hunter too. So I would probably take out a Wolf Rider so that I can run both Ringling's Rifle and Dragonbane. Both of these cards' finishing potential is just very good. Makes up for the fact that we don't run Polkit. You always have some... A, a more of a top end card to to finish close games with, and Ringley's rifle looks very good. Even though the card feels seems slow, it's so good that even Face Hunter wants to play it. So yeah. Now in terms of build, no, we still Sand Trooper, Leopard Gnomes, just burn, burn it down, baby, just burn it down. Toxic reinforcements, all the burn cards. We don't care about board. We just go face. That's the way to go. With Face Hunter right now. If you like, it's not like the other build with Adorable Infestation and Initiate is bad. It's still a good build, but the best build is the one that goes face as hard as possible. Uh, now, as for Highlander Hunter, also looks pretty good. Honestly, both of these decks have kind of similar matchup spread. It's not that drastically different. You're not going to see major differences between the, the archetypes in terms of performance. I would give the edge to Face Hunter right now. I think it's a little bit better to be as fast as possible right now. We'll see if that changes. If the meta slows down and, you know, Warrior comes back, Skipper Armorsmith, then, yeah, Highlander Hunter might become more um, more powerful. So does Highlander Hunter still play Polkeld? Yep. Still the same build. No reason to change it. That build still performs well. You still play Polkit. You still play uh, Trampling Rhino, Dino Tamer Brand. Usual. It's all the same all stuff. All the nerf cards still yeah. go in. Still good. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to try Face Hunter again. And uh, I'm excited that we get to play Face Hunter without Polkelt because making that endgame a little bit more variant and interesting. I'm I'm happier about that. I'm happier that sometimes like your late game draw isn't always the same cards. All right. Well, two, yep. two classes left. So Hunter, very good. I would like it's one of the stronger classes, especially on the Climb the Legend. It's also gotten very uh, quite popular there. So um, Hunter is definitely back. It, as we said, even before the balance changes, it was still it was good. It's not like things massively or drastically changed that the balance changes now allowed Hunter to shine. No, it was good before. It's just that people now realized it after the patch because the patch allowed them, gave them the space and the, the vision to see it. That's all. 
I'm I'm really grateful they changed stuff. I wasn't expecting the Friday patch. It threw off our schedule a little bit, but I'm really grateful they changed stuff. I was so depressed on Friday. Yeah. At, I, you remember we were like, I was saying, let, let's just cancel the podcast. We have nothing to talk about. There's just nothing. The report was like empty because I had nothing to write about. And then suddenly on Friday, they bring a patch like just like that. Oh, man. Yeah. Like I, I was already experiencing trauma like. Like the prospect of doing another report for the last meta and these balance changes were just like huge, 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 huge boost for me mentally. Yep. I wonder if the patch notes were going to get dropped on Thursday, but current events got in the way. Uh, but either way, I'm glad they got it out on Friday and the the changes hit basically instantly after it was posted. And I love that the explanation was in the patch notes. So yeah, thank you very much, uh, Team 5, for that. All right, two more classes. Mage. Highlander Mage good? Anything going on here? Yeah, so here's the thing about Highlander Mage. We know what is the weakness of Highlander Mage. I think people are, you know, who have followed the reports throughout the last year and a half know that Mage struggles when its life total is aggressively pressured, right? Because it doesn't have good life gain. So it's not a good, it's a, like, much like Gallic on Warlock. It doesn't really enjoy being hard targeted face when everything just goes face uh, as hard as possible. So Highlander Mage actually may have gotten worse uh, as a result of the balance changes. Things might change again, much like Gallic on Warlock, much like uh, uh, Bomb Warrior. It will be hoping for Control and Enrage Warrior come, come back, rip, uh, Skipper Armorsmith, curb the power level of the hyper-aggressive decks a little bit down, that it will have a chance to shine better. But right now, I wouldn't recommend Highlander Mage uh, because, again, it struggles in those matchups. Much like Galakor Warlock, it actually looked pretty good in the first day of the Balance Changers, but it kind of tanks since. So I think Mage is kind of in a difficult spot. Other decks, other Mage decks don't really see much play, and they shouldn't because they suck. That's it for Mage. So Mage is kind of struggling. Then we have the final class, which is Priest. Uh, honestly, I'm kind of shocked that Priest sees such little play. But because, you know, there are a lot of players that try to make it work no matter how bad it may be perceived to be. But Priest is not doing well. I'm not happy with how Priest looks. Um, janky mess. Uh, I think the Highlander Priest builds have not yet adjusted to the new meta. Priest is a class that takes time to adjust, to figure out, okay, this is the meta and this is what we need to target. So these are the kind of cards that we need to play. It's very reliant. The success is very reliant on that. And right now, players have yet to find the answers. We haven't found the answers yet either because we need more extensive data analysis in order to figure out what to do with priests. But in general, priest is not doing very well. If you want to play a refined deck that's uh, well positioned against what's what's in the field right now, then priest is not a very good choice. Not just because it doesn't line up well, like against things like Gallic and Warlock, right? It's still it's a deck that's pretty popular. It just destroys priests. So you don't want to run into a lot of them. So you need to wait a thing. Uh, maybe for Warriors again to rise up, counter the smorkiness, and put Priest in a more uh, easier position to adjust to the, to, to the field. But right now it hasn't done that yet. So Priest is just not there yet. Probably it's going to take the mid-expansion set to really see what Priest can do. Yeah. And, well, that's our 10 classes. But as promised, we have a little bit more information. 
about what's coming. And I think that we're both pretty excited. So when they announced... I, I think you cracked the code, Hat. I think you cracked the code. Because there was, like... I had to do some I'm detective sorry, I'm work. I'm interrupting. No, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. You, you explain the detective work. Explain. So, explain yourself. Alex's initial post is that Edwin was going to rotate and have his nerf reverted pretty soon. So then a post came up on Reddit saying Edwin's going to be Hall of Famed. And Alec responded saying, just to clarify, I didn't say that. So if Alec did... And everyone is confused. And How is confused. Alec saying two di- different things? Alec is saying Edwin is rotating, and yet he's also saying that Edwin is not going to the Hall of Fame. How is this possible? He's contradicting himself. He's backtracking. He's confused. He screwed up. Uh, his boss is things. probably angry at him for spilling the beans. Guys, none of that is true. None of that is true. Because Hat figured it out why, that, why both statements are correct. Hat, why are both statements correct? Because there's a larger class rotation coming. Because that's Because... What- Yes, because probably what's happening here, and we're purely in speculation mode, but it makes total sense, is that the entire classic set is going to rotate in April, in March, when the new expansion launches. And they'll announce the details at BlizzCon line most likely in February. Yeah, there will not be Hall of Fame. All the, I'm betting that all the Hall of Fame cards will return to their respective sets, to their original sets, and the entire classic set is going into rotation. Now, what does that mean? To me, if they did that right now, as it is, it's a, without doing anything else, it would be a disaster, right? Because the starting card pool is going to be bare bones, right? You're only going to be left with the basic set for each class, uh, as we, you know, I've talked about it in the podcast, you know, you have players like, you know, Jesse Alexander says a lot of things, but one of the things that I agree most about what he's saying is that the classic set, what's good about the classic set, a strong classic set, a viable classic set is that it gives classes something to fall back to if expansion sets don't pan out. It reduces the risk of classes just being in the dumpster and being unplayable if they're last set wasn't very good, didn't turn out very powerful. So if you have a situation where classes just don't have starting sets, it increases the volatility of classes being between broken and, and, and unplayable. Look, Think about classes that kind of behave like that. They're either oppressive or they're just garbage. Shaman. Uh, you know, shaman, priest, paladin. So what is the... Like, they're either unplayable or they're just way too good, right? A lot of times they just sit, they they bounce between being dumpster and complain about. And the reason that is what's in common with all of them is that they have bad classic sets. So they're highly reliant on expansion cards to be good. They get compensated for with more and more powerful expansion cards until there's a breaking point and they just become far too good. And it's very hard to balance them. It's possible. Sometimes Paladin is good, but not too powerful. Sometimes Priest gets to that point. But very often, they just have a... They're very volatile. So good... You need a good starting point. Something not super powerful, but something to fall back to. 
So what I speculate, what I think is going to happen now is that they're going to expand the basic set because Alex said something else, that they want to increase uh, the accessibility of new players uh, going into the, in, in, into the standard format, right? They're going to the game and playing constructed, they want to increase the accessibility. So to me, it makes no sense to rotate the classic set and not put something back in. So what I think they're doing is that they're going to expand the basic set, add cards to that set, and since they're basic cards, they're, they don't have gems. They're free. They don't come in packs. You don't need to apply classic card, uh, packs anymore in order to have a viable starting collection. You just get that collection through your progression. Right? You get the basic cards as you progress through the classes. So I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to see an increased basic set. That's going to be the starting set for every class. And then we have the expansion cards. And you make up for it, right? You have less cards start. You start with less cards, right? Every yearly rotation starts with less cards, but it's going to be compensated by the fact, but by the fact that now we have mid-expansion sets. There are more cards every four months. We have an extra 105 cards every year because if we have 35 cards through a mid-expansion set every four months, that's 105 cards. So that make more than makes up for the fact that we're rotating the classic set. So this is our speculation. They're yeah. getting rid of the classic set. Cards like Gadgets and Auctioneer are going to be gone. Maybe unnerfed, who knows? Doomsayer, gone. All the cards that you see, like Hungry Crap. Thank God that card is gone. Like all of these weird texts that just really shouldn't be evergreen, right? They're going to be gone. And we're going to have a basic, uh, an expanded basic set. Again, my speculation, our speculation, but that's the only thing that makes sense to us right now based on the, and I'm just waiting to see an announcement from them that is completely contradictory to what we're saying right now, but we're just having fun. I mean, it, and it makes sense. It's, this is yes. something that I think they've learned from Battlegrounds. When you give players cards, you can change them without messing with their collection. In Constructed, there's still some splash damage. There's still some collateral damage from adjusting cards. I've called this the Zentimo problem for years. When you nerf Galakron Shaman's commons, and then you have Zentimo sitting in your collection, it's been unplayable for years, and the only reason that it was good was Invocation of Frost. You still don't get that dust back, but at least with a, with a basic set, you can nudge that more frequently if you really want to, because it's free. And the logistic issue of rotating Classic has been something that's been looming over the game for a while. It's a clear exit point. They've put so many systems in place to fix the exit points of my card is gone, so I'm not going to play anymore. They fixed the Red X problem with the automatically updating decklist and the convert to standard thing. So if they make a constantly shifting expanded basic set, that makes a lot more sense. You get to remove an entire pack type from the store. You get to turn Tavern Brawl into the newest expansion gives you a pack. It just It's more... Friendly to the players, which which is a big deal because a yeah. pack every week from the new expansion, yeah, it, it's for yeah, it really helps also the the economy. Personally, right now, I'm not even playing the tavern brawls. I don't even care about the classic pack. I, I don't play it because I, I don't care about it. But if it was a new expansion pack, then maybe I would play it. So that's also something to consider. 
And yeah, it just makes sense with the media expansion sets. There are more cards there, so you need you don't need as many cards from like the evergreen set. Uh, so I think that's what's going to happen. But I will say a word of warning that if this happens and we get a different evergreen set, I don't want cards like Kidnapper to be in that set. Like cards at that level, like unplayable cards. These cards need to be semi-viable. Every class needs to have some sort of minimal card draw, uh, minimal removal. Car, uh, classes with AoE need to have minimal AoE. I would like to see a reasonably decent Priest AoE in the Evergreen set so that we don't have to constantly print extremely powerful AoE for that class to be viable. And it will have something to fall back to if it doesn't have that. Yeah. Or card draw, same in Priest. Like I would like to have better starting points for these classes so that they aren't as volatile so that they actually have mechanics, decent tools to fall back to. Again, they can be mediocre cards, but it's just unacceptable to me to have a class that just lacks something completely and that keeps my maybe some synergies, some fun synergies that they may have printed in a set from seeing play because it just doesn't have this mechanic, doesn't have this functionality. So I would like so it's important that the basic whatever evergreen set they establish needs to be good it needs to be decently good and if they have concern about cards you know being ever present they can change them a year from now they can freshen things up two years from now as you said they can always uh adjust the basic set or whatever evergreen set they they decide on they can always change that later but it needs to be good it needs to be a good building block for these classes moving forward because if it isn't you're Far too reliant on getting everything that you print in future expansions correct. And you cannot, you know, rely on that. You cannot put that much pressure on yourself as a, as a card designer. And uh, whether you're a, a, especially a final card designer, right? When you, you, you concern yourself with balance and you're thinking, I need this class to be powerful. So I need to tune up this card. Otherwise, it will be trash, but I'm worried it will be too broken. Like when you have safety nets, like a decent starting set, then you can say, okay, if this card ends up being uh, too weak, then at least it will, this deck or this archetype will have that option available to it too, right? So I think that's very important to keep in mind. I do not want, if they make a new evergreen set, it needs to be more powerful than you know what you currently see in the basic set. It needs to have cards that are a little bit stronger, so that every class has something to to use, to utilize in case a set bombs, right? So that's important. Yeah, but we'll they see what ha they end up doing. They have a narrow needle to thread there because you really don't want basic and classic cards to be too good. You really don't want them to be too bad. Uh, but with the idea of we can nudge these the same way we nudge any other cards. It makes a lot more sense when you have uh, not really basic and classic, but core is, is how we can think of it. When you just have a core set that you give away, you can do what you want with it as long as class identity stays intact. And they've been pretty good at defining class identity. Yeah, yeah. I just had. I just don't want useless cards like the current Starving Buzzard to sure, waste sure. space in my Hunter collection. I want the cards in every class's uh, uh, evergreen set to actually have some use, right? 
you know, over the last year, they've added cards to the classic set. Um, you know, they added to Priest, to Warlock. To, we've seen some new cards that they printed. And none of them see play. Pretty much none of them see play. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I want every card to have a use, but it doesn't have to be specifically for the competitive player base. I, I'm not seeing a strong use. I'm not saying these cards have to be competitive. I'm saying these cards need to serve even a mediocre role. Like, I need a Priest AoE that's not super powerful, but still, let's give them an AoE. Uh, or Warlock, like, I feel like that entire set was, like, balanced around Life Tap, where they were, you know, like, seven years ago, we are worried about the hero power of Warlock being too good, so it needs, like, a bad set to make up for it. Those days are gone. You know, maybe Warlock needs some reasonable healing in its basic set. Some reasonable. I'm not asking for Nether Breath to be in the basic set. I'm asking for, I don't know, maybe slightly better Drain Life. Maybe a Drain Life that doesn't suck. So that it has something that late game Warlock strategies aren't either have survivability or too much survivability and they're too good. But they have no survivability, so they're unplayable no matter what cards they're given because they cannot heal. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. Yeah. They've talked about the classic and basic set being pretty outdated. We got the Priest update, and then in their AMA that year, they said they're looking at a more holistic change for all of classic and see a more modern look. I talked about this a bit in my other show, but you can really see the change based on when Rush entered the game. Rush is the start of Hearthstone 2, and that is when Savannah High Main stopped being good. Savannah Highmain for so many years was the Hunter Legendary, so to speak. It was a card that saw play in a lot of Hunter decks. It was kind of the curve topper in many ways, and it was effective. But Rush changed the way the game is played. And so many of the classic and basic cards look so outdated now. Either they're uneven in their power level. You look at a card like Dread Corsair, which is either terrible or really broken. Um, you look at outdated cards. They had to nerf Sacrificial Pact when Demon Hunter got printed because... It was a weirdo tech card that saw play in fringe uses and then ended up being a really outdated design that kept a warp meta in check in a way, but wasn't a really fun play pattern. They're so much better at designing cards seven years later, but a lot of these... You look at the yeah. overload mechanic in, in Shaman, sure. which is over-budgeted. Like, they, they overestimated the, the, uh, the power of overload uh, seven years ago. Can you blame them? It was seven years ago. Yeah, right. Even, it was the, even... even the well-designed cards, even the ones that were good, the game has moved past them, and you can put Rush in the, cl in the core set now. You could do that, and I expect we'll see a lot of that in the core set as pseudo-removal, right? It's a card like Militia Commander is something that Warrior could have access to, and I don't think it would break the game, and it would set a pretty good standard as to what Warrior does. But you can look at cards that are in there now, and they just need... They're outdated. The point is... We don't, like, the the classic set and the basic set of years ago is not the U.S. Constitution where you need two-thirds of a Senate majority in order to change anything. No, you can change it right now and live with the current present times hat. We can do it, and we can do it easily. And you know what? If we make it and establish a new evergreen set and something is off, we can change that too. There's no, there's no... It's not going to be a disaster if we don't get everything right, but it gives us a better chance to actually make correction and update the set that we're 
is basically the first building block of every Hearthstone deck going forward. We can update it for current times for what we know now about card games rather than what we knew years ago. Right? So and if you want to see an example of their philosophy, they have nerfed a basic card already within the past year within a day and a half of it being printed. Aldraki Warblades is a basic card. And that card may not stick around in the Demon Hunter basic set, but they printed it and then they said, nope, this is too good. We're going to change it right now. And if that is their philosophy going forward with cards they give away in addition to cards that you buy, then I think that's a good line for what their philosophy will be going forward. It makes a lot of sense. It's aligned with what the team wants to do these days. Yeah, it just makes total sense. It's it's time. It's time to let go of a, of a set that we designed years ago when we knew far less about the game than we know now. It was just different times. So let's... Yes. So I'm looking forward to what ends up happening. That's my that's our theory. Expand basic set that is giving away for free to every player based on his progression, just like you get basic cards now. Classic set goes away. Maybe some of the classic cards will turn into basic cards. Who knows, right? We don't know. It's possible because it requires you to print a lot of new basic cards if you don't do that. But we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to that. Again, I'm hoping for minimal effects like every class needs to have even mediocre card drawing its uh, evergreen set and mediocre options for that fit its uh, class identity. So if a class has AoE, give it some mediocre reasonable AoE. If it has single target removal, give it some removal. Every, one, every class needs to have some sort of card draw mechanics even if they're not particularly great. Again, it's difficult, right? Because you want cards that are reasonably good, but not too good that they don't, you know, overshadow potential future expansion cards. But honestly, I don't think it's that difficult to do. And you, again, you don't need to get everything right the first time. You don't need to get every single card right. Just like you don't get every expansion card right the first time. The key is that you can always make the adjustments later. And the team required. has been really clear on their willingness to do that, their desire to do that, and their focus on take a risk, fix it if we need to fix it, and let's see what happens. And it's a it's a good approach for a game that's a little bit more mature. Uh, you know, Ixar has talked about this in the past. When Hearthstone first came out, when every player is a new player, you can't make changes as rapidly. But now that the game is mostly an experienced, entrenched player base, more freshness is better. And this is a clear way to to bring the game into the next decade into yep. the 20s and the most imp- yes and the most important thing that i haven't mentioned yet is since edwin van cleef is going to rotate vanessa his daughter hmm. needs to be the next rogue legendary this is absolutely essential if they screw this up hearthstone will not be the great game it could be for the next decade the the frodan uh Prophecy is going to fail if Vanessa Van Cleef is not the next Rogue Legendary. Absolutely essential. Team 5, do not screw this up. But here's the question. The next Rogue Hero Portrait, should it be Edwin or Togwaggle? Edwin. Absolutely Edwin. If it's Togwaggle... No, don't... No, we have enough jokes with the Pirate Valera. By the way, Hat is a Pirate Valera player. Disgraceful. But in any case, we need to have less of the 
like we don't have many rogue portraits right now anyway, right? Everybody's picked the the, the Valera one. A lot of players picked the Valera one uh, from the Tavern Pass thing, just because there aren't many rogue portraits. Give us some uh, male representation. Give us yes. some male representation in the rogue, uh, and not like Togwaggle. Yeah, I, I realize. Oh, I want to see the peak male body, so we need Togwaggle. No, 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 no. I mean, I would take Edwin. Uh, hell, you know what? If not male, then I would take Garona. Also, could be a rogue portrait. Uh, but yeah, whatever. But the most important thing: the Nessa Van Cleef next rogue legendary, absolutely necessary. If it's not, then I will. I would like the entire basic set is in danger of failing. We need this team five. Don't screw this up. All right. That the gauntlet has been thrown. That's going to do it for our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Big thanks to all of our VS gold and Patreon supporters. Uh, everyone who subbed and supported this week. We appreciate you. We see you uh, look forward to the next report on Sunday, the 17th and the next podcast. Well, we'll see what happens. We don't know yet. We'll let you know in the next report when the new podcast uh, is going to arrive. It's going to depend on when the mint expansion set is going to happen. If there, if it's next week, then the next podcast will probably discuss the early developments of that meta. If not, it will probably discuss the report on Sunday. Yes. And if you see Zacho on Ladder or in Discord, make sure to wish him a happy birthday. And uh... no, I'm going to get so many pings. Yep, you're going to get no, pinged. I I'm going to have to mute the server. It's if you see Zacho in Among Us, don't kill him. It's his birthday. And Zach, you have to wear the party hat. That's required. That's the law. I guess so. Yes. It's, I didn't make the rules. So big thanks to Steven Sensei for intro and outro. That's going to do it. And we'll talk to you next week. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers. <laughs>